Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to a historic podcast. I hope you're going to enjoy this nearly as much as I did and uh, that you're going to enjoy how I've kind of put this together. I hope uh, both Jack and Fred Allen will be happy with what I've done here too. Uh, anyway, uh, sorry, I'm kind of stumbling over myself here because uh, I don't want to cover ground that I'm going to cover in other podcasts. This is the first of three different introductions that you're going to hear tonight, and this one I'll keep very brief, or try to anyway. Uh, I just didn't think I said everything I needed to say in the other two. <laughs> One's an old one. One's a new one that I just recorded. You'll be able to tell which is which. Anyway, um, I was recording a podcast for the uh, this week's episode of the Jack Benny Show, which I told you before, I haven't really listened to this season. I wanted to save something back and not listen to it when I was initially listening to the Jack Benny Shows. Going, I don't want to listen to every one. So in later years, I can listen <laughs> to other episodes. But doing the podcast, of course... I need to go through and kind of listen to them and everything. So uh, I just heard this, so what, a couple days ago, and was floored. It, um, I was not expecting uh, to hear Fred Allen. I didn't notice that he was on the episode. And um, uh, it, it's a beautiful episode. I mean, just a wonderful thing. It's Fred's final appearance with Jack uh, ever that I know of. They, uh, and I'll get more into that in a later podcast, so I won't uh, say much about that. Uh, what I will say is, when I was listening to it, I had an epiphany that, wait a minute, um, I've heard something like this before. What, what's going on? And I, and, and you'll hear me do this <laughs> during the podcast. Uh, anyway, uh, what I realized was, their very first appearance together that I've ever heard that I think exists, and I think I think it's their first radio appearance they ever did together on the Fred Allen show, they played a duet on the clarinet and, of course, violin. Then, on this episode, from 60 years ago, almost two decades later, the very last appearance they would ever do together, they again played a um, duet on the clarinet and on the violin. And it's just, it's just was too easy of bookends to include, so I'm including both episodes. I only have a bit of the um, first one, their first appearance together, just the, the part where they're together, that's like 10 minutes. And then it'll go segue right into uh, the last final appearance of Fred Allen on the Jack Benny show. And I just wanted to publicly say to Fred out there somewhere, uh, just thank you so much for all the work you put into your show. Thank you for uh, all the laughs we've had with you. Uh, thank you for um, coming up with this whole feud with Jack. Um, and thank you, Jack, for, for all the enjoyment you've given us with um, having this feud as well. And um, just a great, 
great thing and it's so nice to present your very first time together and your very last time together um, in this podcast. I hope everyone's going to enjoy this. Um, anyway, uh, you'll hear me come on another couple times. One of them an old one, you can tell what that, that it's old. Uh, it's from like a year ago or more. Uh, anyway, uh, enjoy Fred Allen and Jack Benny together for the first time on radio and the last time anywhere, uh, as far as I know. Uh, and then uh, also tune in for the link that I have to their final appearance on television together from a week before their final appearance in radio. And um, we're just all blessed to have these. So I will see you next time. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to a truly historic podcast of the Fred Allen Show. I've been waiting to bring this to you. I didn't have it in my hot little hands until this morning, but here we go. This is, as far as I can tell, the very first appearance of Fred Allen and Jack Benny together. And, um... It's a wonderful little bit. It is certainly not the full episode. It is only about 10 minutes long. But it's great to listen to. There are some historic things that happen within this 10-minute piece. They cover a lot of ground. And it's fun to hear uh, pretty much just Fred and Jack and Mary and Portland together. And you can just tell how much they care for each other. This is before... The feud, and so uh, it's it's just not as aggressive as later when they get together during the the feud years, and uh, uh, the one historic thing I'm not going to give it away, but um, the way Jack and Mary, uh, well, the way Jack refers to Mary in this. Um, is historic. I've never, um, in all his years in radio, ever heard to him, heard him refer to her in this way. So kind of cool. And um, I just hope you really enjoy that part of the show. Uh, after that, and that was, this is a the ten minute segment is taken from uh, last week's what would have been last week's episode of the Fred Allen Show from seventy five years ago last week. Uh, Unfortunately, I didn't get in time to play it then, so I'm playing it to you one week late, but that's pretty good. Considering, uh, for most folks, this has not been heard since 75 years ago. <laughs> um, it is in, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, light circulation or something like that, I suppose. Uh, a few collectors here and there have it. I haven't. I have not had access to this episode before. Um, I'm sure there's probably more of it that exists. The, the only ones I know are incomplete. I just don't know how incomplete. Um, anyway, but the sound quality is great. Um, I think you'll enjoy that. Now on Friday night, ladies and gentlemen, Timkin Flog, the man who yelled at a boy Walter when Walter Johnson threw the silver dollar across the river on Washington's birthday, 
will make a personal appearance here at the town hall. Now, you folks are going to have a chance to hear Mr. Flogg yell, quote, at a boy, Walter, unquote, just as he did at the river and in the newsreel. There will be entertainment besides. A one-man band is... Oh, Quiet, quiet, please. Now, if that's some fan... Hello. Well, sir, as I live and try to... There's no time for that tonight, Mr. Allen. What's going on here, Portland? What's all this excitement? Wait till you see who's here. All right, all right. Who's here? Come on up, Mary. Look, Mr. Allen, it's Mary Livingston. Mary Livingston. Fancy little old frowsy me meeting you face to face, Mary. (laughs) This is a pleasure. It ought to be. You're getting the best of us. Good work, Mary. Oh, boy, will we get even with Mr. Allen tonight. Now, wait a minute. Gee, it was nice of you to invite me over, Porty. Well, who invited what? Who's run... Are you all prepared, Mary? Am I? I've been working like a dog all week. Did you uh, come over alone, Mary? No, there's some fella standing over there. Who is he, Mary? Uh, I don't know. Some stooge who works on my program. <laughs> Uh, I forget his name. Well, don't leave him standing over there in that draft. Say, uh, buddy. Yeah? Why, it's Jack Benny. Thank you, thank you, folks. Hello, Fred. Hello, Jack. I'm certainly glad to see you. You know, for a minute, it didn't look as though I was going to get in here. Yes, it's lucky your name came up in the conversation, Mr., uh, Mr. Uh, Benny, Jack Benny. Uh, Benny? Gee, that name sounds familiar. Mary, I'm your husband, remember? (laughs) Oh, yes, Niagara Falls. Yes. (laughs) You had the rice in your hair and the straw suitcase. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Is he Jack Benny, the moving picture star, Mary? That's what he thinks. Now, wait a minute, you two. Jack is my guest tonight, and I'm certainly not going to stand here and see him insult her. Thanks, Fred. And as one moving picture star to another... Two stars. That's more than their pictures got. <laughs> Mary, read what they wrote for you. We're guests here, remember. It's all right. You can't insult us, Jack. You ought to see our fan mail. Quiet, quiet, Portland. You uh, just got back from Hollywood recently, didn't you, Jack? Yes, Freddie. I was out there 11 months. I made those two pictures, Broadway Melody and It's in the Air. Oh, yeah, I know. I, uh, I uh, made a picture out there, too, you know. Thanks a million. Oh, really? Well, I was so busy out there, I never got around to those Nickelodeons, you know. I... <laughs> oh, you know how it is, Freddie, with me. Polo, golf, hiking, and swimming. You know, I'm an outdoor man. Uh, but enough about me, Fred. Let's hear about you. How did you like my last picture? (laughs) You bet. Oh. Yes, that was a consensus. Mm. (laughs) What's that big package under your arm, Jack? Are those your notices? No, no, this is my violin. Of course, I don't expect to be called on, but you know the public. I'll say it's best to play safe, Jack. If he plays safe, he won't even open that violin case. Now, look, it opens easy. Look, you just press this little thing, and before you know it, I'll have my violin out, and you'll hear some of the greatest violin. Who did that? I guess you even opened the case like an amateur. (laughs) Say, Herman. Yes? 
Yes, Mr. Ann. Now, what's the big idea giving Mr. Benny the gong? Well, I've seen him reaching for the violin, so I let him have it. Some hospitality, I'll say. Mr. Benny is our guest, our Herman. Now, I think you ought to apologize. Okay. I'm sorry, Mr. Benny. I was only acting for the good of the program. Thanks, sir. Say, I've got an idea, Jack. Instead of a violin, let's start off with a high spot. Well, we You're can... right, Porty. Oh. And I've got a high spot right here. I've written a special poem for tonight. Bravo, Mary! Bravo! Now, stop it, Portland. Stop here. What are you applauding for? I'm giving Mary a reception. Go ahead, Mary. What's the poem? I wouldn't do it. Uh, it's uh, dedicated mean, to it. Town Hall. I wouldn't bother. Quiet, everybody. <laughs> Uh, town Hall. Dear old Town Hall. Yippee, wow, hot dog, I'll say. You can keep your dear old Town Hall. Give me good old Labor Day. Labor I Day. I knew it. Oh, Labor I Day. That's well, Mary. Well, Fred, I'm practically tuned up. Now, wait a minute, Jack. Jack, I may be wrong, but to me, the violin at this point might clash. Uh, I've got another poem here. You can read it, Porty. Yes, that'll keep up the terrific tempo you set, Mary. Oh, shucks. After I got my rosin out and everything. <laughs> Gee, Jack, I don't know why we should take the bitter when we can get the sweet. Mm, that's cute. Thanks, Mary. I'll <laughs> recite your poem. <clears throat> to an olive. Little olive in your bottle. That's swell, Portland. That's certainly swell. Brevity and everything. You had the whole thing. Freddie, if there was ever a spot for a violin solo, it's right now. <laughs> a musical lull might liven things up at that, Jack. Say, what is that song, uh, you know, that song you're gradually uh, plugging into a hit? Oh, you mean uh, Love and Bloom? <laughs> That's the one. Yes. How long have you been playing that, Jack? Oh, about four years on and off. Yes. On and off key. Quiet. But four years on the violin isn't so bad. A year on each string. I used to play the clarinet. You know, I started on Glowworm ten years ago, and that worm isn't even sizzling yet. Say, Schubert got famous not finishing the Unfinished Symphony, didn't he? That's right. Yes, but the Schuberts are busy. They've got the Follies and all those Blossom Times. <laughs> Maybe you and Jack could get together, Mr. Allen. That's well, not a, yes, that's... Oh, well, it's not a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir, life is a game of cards, and here we are back to back, Jack. <laughs> that's not a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> Freddie, I'd give $1,000 if I could think of an answer. <laughs> that's not a bad idea. <laughs> That's not a... I got half an answer for 500, I mean, if you're into that. I know we'd be ad-libbing pretty soon. I mean, we'll be talking into that party again before we know it, as we did two weeks ago. When you... Uh, that's not a bad idea. That's it, I am. That's not... <laughs> Funny the way these little microphones are built, and still you can put your foot in it. But that's not a... That's not a bad idea, Jack, that, yeah. that uh, suggestion. If you'll help me finish Glowworm, I'll get right with you and we'll clean up Love and Bloom in no time. Well, have you got a clarinet, Fred? Uh, here's one. Where'd you get a clarinet, Mary? I was out with Ted Lewis last night. Oh. <laughs> now, wait a minute, wait a minute, Fred. Don't start without me. No. Let's get together. Now, that note was stuck in the clarinet there, Jack. It must have been left over from my last recital. Mm. Have you got the right end in your mouth? Yes, I play it from either end. It doesn't really matter. Okay. All right, we'll start the... Uh, wait a minute, I just want to get going a little bit here. All right, a little rehearsal.
Ma, what time is it? <laughs> Those are the happy days. Hey, all I'm all set now, Fred. Okay. I'm ready for you. I could close my eyes. I thought it was Reuben off there for a second. <laughs> We'll start with glow. We'll start with glowworm, Jack. You uh, you just take the pizzicato. The pizzicato. Uh huh. All right. Wait till I ask Peter what that is. What is that pizzicato? <laughs> okay. All ready? Ready. tone, Jack. You know that last note sounded just like a bell to me? <laughs> Some note. It's the telephone. Will you answer it, Mary? All right. Hello? Yes. Yes, I'll tell Mr. Benny. What is it, Mary? A request. Are we standing too near the microphone? No. Some man doesn't like glowworm. He wants Jack to play a solo. What man? Your father. Oh. <laughs> Haven't you any relatives, Mr. Yes, but their phones have all been taken out. Gee, I, I don't know what to say, Freddie. This is embarrassing, really. Do you mind if I finish out our duet as a solo? No, it's all right. You, you really ought to practice, you know. You're going to play in Pittsburgh next week, aren't you? That's right. I wouldn't want to make a slip over there. Hey, you know? and a slip would be noticed in Pittsburgh, too. There are plenty of music lovers in Pittsburgh. If Jack plays in the theater, the streets will be full of music lovers. Yeah, I is get it. Is the program dragging, or is it me? I'll fix that. <laughs> All right, boys. <laughs> Thank heaven. Wait a minute, Jack. Wait a minute. Come in. Where can I find Jack Benny? I'm Jack Benny. Are you making a personal appearance in Pittsburgh next week? Why, yes. I'll be at the Stanley Theater. And you intend to play Love in Bloom in Pittsburgh? Why, yeah. Hey, what's the big idea? Yes, don't take Jack's violin. I'm giving it right back to him. Oh, my head. A fine thing to do to a guest star. Gosh, the violin's in a thousand pieces. Just a minute, friend. Who are you? I'm the mayor of Pittsburgh. <laughs> Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show from the 1952-1953 season. I've been both looking forward to and dreading this episode and doing this podcast. Um, I'm, I'm feeling so ambivalent about it. Um, it's uh, I'm both jubilant at this, doing this, and I'm sad, and I'm angry, and, um, here's the deal, okay, every copy of this episode that I've seen, uh, all, none of them mention that it is Fred Allen as the guest, none of them mention that this is Fred Allen's final appearance on Jack Benny's radio show, or, for that matter, as far as I know, the last time these two great men were together again. And what a send-off it is. It is so much fun. I just 
laughed and enjoyed this episode. Uh, I'm not going to give any big spoilers away other than to say it's really fun to hear. I think, my gosh, wow, I didn't even think about this till this moment. Uh, but I think there's bookends. The very first time Jack ever appeared on Fred Allen's show, back in, what was that, 36 or something, uh, I believe they played a duet on, uh, of course, Fred on the clarinet and Jack on the violin. And today, for their last time together in radio, we get to hear them perform another duet. Uh, Fred has stayed equally bad. Jack, by this time, is a pretty darn good player of the violin. He's practiced quite a bit and so forth, um, starting in about 49, so he's probably four years into uh, re-picking up the violin and really trying to learn it well. But he, I think in sympathy for Fred, uh, and to be funny, of course, uh, does some of his worst playing with with Fred, so it's it's just a fun bit that they do. Now, uh, I, I wish, and and my episode is going to be labeled that it's Fred Allen's final appearance on the Jack Benny Radio Show. Uh, also, what a week before this, I believe, uh, Fred Allen made his only appearance on the Jack Benny television show. It is available on YouTube, so I will do a link to that. I will also, I believe I have the script for this episode, so I'll link to that, to the scripts. I mean, you'll have to fumble through the scripts because it, they usually are about three months worth of scripts that they have, um, but it's fun to read the Fred Allen scripts and see what what's ad-libbed and what's not. And uh, so that's the good. Of course, the bad is that Fred Allen is going to die here in, uh, what, a couple of years, I guess. Uh, after 1953, I guess three years later, um, he will pass away. And unfortunately, um, he's not uh, at all the huge success that he was early on, I mean, not even early on, just in 1948 he had the number one radio program in the nation. And then this is just a few years later than that. And he can't even, he has no radio show, his television shows are not going overly well. And uh, so Fred's career is just starting to go downhill some. At least he's writing some great books with Treadmill to Oblivion and uh, Much Ado About Me. Um, what else do I want to point out about, about Fred? Um, oh, it's very touching to me when he first comes on this episode. Uh, the very first, um, bit out of his mouth is, um, off a little bit. And, uh, Jack points it out and, uh, it just feels like he's rusty. Uh, but within a few sentences, he's right back into it and uh, giving better than he gets uh, and having a, a great time with Jack. You can just feel 
them both having a terrific time. Uh, and it's, it's also telling that uh, the TV show with Fred in it is a, you know, a good episode. I enjoy watching it to see Fred. But this radio show is just a powerful tour de force and just uh, a, a joy to behold. So um, without further ado, here's Fred Allen's final appearance on the Jack Benny radio show. And we'll see you next week. The Jack Benny Program, transcribed and presented by Lucky Strike. You know, friends, for real smoking enjoyment, nothing, no nothing, beats better taste. And... Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. For Lucky Strike means fine tobacco, richer tasting. Fine tobacco. Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. This is Don Wilson with an important question. Is the cigarette you're smoking fresh, really fresh? If it's a Lucky, I know it is. For Luckies are definitely fresher. Prove that to yourself. Light up a Lucky and see what a difference that freshness makes to your smoking enjoyment. Notice how much more you get from the cigarette that tastes better in every way. Not only fresher, but cleaner and smoother, too. Yes, Luckies do taste better because they're made of fine, light, naturally mild tobacco. They taste better because they're made better. Made round and firm and fully packed to draw freely and smoke evenly. And then, of course, Luckies taste better because they come to you fresh. They're even extra tightly sealed to keep that freshness in. So be happy, go lucky. For real smoking enjoyment, ask for Lucky Strike. Get the better taste you want in a cigarette and get it fresh. Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky Strike, Lucky Strike. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Rochester, Dennis Day, Bob Crosby, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, right now, Jack Benny is in San Francisco, California, where he's making a personal appearance at the Kern Theater. So let's go backstage where we find Rochester in Jack's dressing room. There's no business like show business. There's no business I know. Every time they sell another ticket, Mr. Benny's blue eyes start to glow. But when he looks and sees a seat that's empty, the little teardrops, they start to flow. <laughs> There's no business like show. Uh-oh, look what time it is. Mr. Benny will be off stage in a minute. I'll put everything he needs on his dressing table. Yep, that'll do it. There's the cold cream for his makeup, a washcloth for his face, a brush for his suit, and a comb for his morale. <laughs> Forget his pride and wear him on the stage. Yesterday he did two shows with his back to the audience. <laughs> that wasn't so bad. But when he took his bow, what a target! 
Even the manager ran up and kicked him. I haven't seen that many people on stage since Quo Vadis. Oh, well, I guess I better lay out a clean shirt for him. Yeah, this white one will be all right. I know Mr. Benny isn't a spendthrift, but I do wish he'd buy real cufflinks. Imagine putting a toothpick through the cup and sticking an olive on each end. <laughs> this even amazed me, and I've been with him for 15 years. Hello, Rochester. Oh, hello, boss. How'd the show go? Oh, fine, fine. That's good. I'm glad there weren't any empty seats. How did you know? Your mascara isn't running. <laughs> Rochester, I don't cry when there's an empty seat. After all, I didn't take this personal appearance engagement to make money. You didn't? No. You may not understand this, Rochester, but every so often a, a performer must satisfy his artistic temperament. I'm playing these three weeks in San Francisco merely as a release uh, for my talents. You understand what I mean? Well, is this the same kind of release that your talents got from Warner Brothers? <laughs> No, no, this is something different. By the way, Rochester, where are my slippers? Right here, boss. Well, don't just stand there pointing at them. Take them off. <laughs> Thank you. Now, Rochester, please go out and get me a sandwich with your corned beef on rye. And don't forget the mustard and pickles. Okay, and I better bring back some olives, too. Olives? Why? The pimento fell out of your couplings. <laughs> All right, go get my sandwich. Yes, sir. See, I've got quite a while before I have to be back on stage. I think I'll freshen up my makeup. First, I better take this old stuff off. Now, let's see, where is that jar? Oh, here it is. Yeah, that ought to be enough. Hey, this stuff really takes the makeup off. And in that fancy jar, no one would ever guess it's Crisco. <laughs> I wonder if I should shave before I... Hmm, look at my eyes. They're bluer than the thumb of a cross-eyed carpenter. <laughs> I better put on some more makeup instead of talking to myself all evening. <laughs> Come in. Well, if it isn't Mary Mary, quite contrary, how does your garden grow? With silver bells and cockle shells, and boy, are you a schmo. <laughs> hmm. Got any more poetry you want to throw my way? Never mind. But Mary, did you catch my last performance? I caught more than that. Huh? I was in the front row when you took your bow. Here, put it back on your head. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad you caught it this time. Yesterday, a lady brought it back and wanted me to autograph it. Jack, you mean she kept your toupee? She was a midget. She thought it was a mink stole. <laughs> you and your long sideburns. <laughs> Never mind. I, look, Mary, I want to finish my makeup, so excuse me, will you? Uh, 
Wait a minute, Jack. Your jar of cold cream, it doesn't have any label on it. I know. Gee, it looks good. Smells good, too. Who recommended it, Percy Westmer or Max Factor? Betty Crocker. <laughs> Betty Crocker? Uh-huh. But she tells you how to cook and fry and... Uh... Wait a minute. Let me smell that again. <laughs> what are you laughing at? I never thought that Buck Benny would turn out to be the Cisco Kid. Crisco Kid! <laughs> She's even got an underline. I know is it works anyway. <laughs> Come in. Oh, Bob Crosby. Hi, Jack. Hello, Mary. Hi, Bob. See, I didn't mean to keep you waiting, Mary, but I had a few errands to do. Waiting? Oh, I meant to tell you, Mary, I want you and Bob to sing a song together on my radio show. Oh, I don't want to do that. After all, I haven't got the voice of a great singer. Well, I've got the name of one, so let's take a stab at it. <laughs> uh, matter of fact, I just got a letter from him this morning. You know Bing is in Paris. Oh, yes, I read about that. See, Paris in the spring. Gosh, how I'd like to be there. Say, Bob, wasn't it in Paris last year when Bing was taking a nap in the park and a French policeman arrested him there? Yep, but this time he's taken some precautions to make sure that it doesn't happen again. Uh, what did he do? He bought France. <laughs> Bought friends? You're surprised, huh? I didn't think Maurice Chevalier would sell. <laughs> well, so much for international news. You know, kids, I'm really getting a kick out of doing a stage show here in San Francisco. It's nice to get away from... Excuse me. Hello? Here's your party. Go ahead, Hollywood. Hello, Jack. This is Don Wilson. Oh, what is it, Don? Jack, I have the most wonderful idea I just had to call you. What is it, Don? Well, you know how the entire movie industry is so excited about these new three-dimensional pictures? Yes. Well, I have an idea for a 3D picture that's bound to be absolutely sensational. What is it? Well, the opening scene takes place on a tobacco plantation in Goldsboro, North Carolina. No. And the scene is so realistic, the people in the audience will think they're sitting right in a field of that light, that fine, that naturally mild tobacco. Continue, Don, you fascinate me. Now, this is going to be a musical. The Sportsman's Quartet comes out and sings a love song to a Lucky Strike cigarette. No kidding. Take it, fellas. So round and firm, so fully 
you were meant for me. Not a puff is rough, better tasting, sure enough. I was meant for you, and only you will do. You are the best, and that is true. Every lucky strike is free from loose ends. Full of smoking pleasure, they please my friends. And so to you, my lucky strike. I have learned to tear, now it's easy to compare. You're the smoke I like. What a cigarette, fresher tasting, you can bet. So we say, get a carton out today for lucky strike was meant for you. Don, that sounds wonderful, but remember, with 3D pictures, you have to give everybody in the audience a pair of glasses. Not for this picture. We're going to give everybody an ashtray. <laughs> oh, good, good. Now, Don, we'll talk about when I get back from San Francisco. Okay. So long, Jack. Goodbye, Don. Here's your sandwich, boys. Thanks, Rochester. Say, this is a nice thick one. Yeah, when I told the man in the delicatessen it was for you, he put in an extra piece of meat. Gee, he must have liked me. Put in an extra piece of corned beef, huh? No ham! <laughs> hmm. Not whom, ham! <laughs> I heard, I heard. Would you like some more mustard on it? No, no, this is fine the way it is. Gee, that sandwich looks good. Sure does. Oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't be eating like this in front of you kids. Oh, Rochester. You want me to run across the street and get some more sandwiches? No, see if there's an empty dressing room. I'll go and eat in there. <laughs> Don't put yourself out, Jack. Come on, Mary. I'll take you to dinner. Okay, Bob. Thanks. You can come along, too, Jack. No, thanks. I better stay here and relax. So long, kids. Bye, Jack. So long. Rochester, I'll have to get dressed pretty soon, so lay out my clothes, will you, please? Okay. I think that during my next show, there'll be some critics out front. So I want you to sneak out in the audience, and when I tell my jokes, laugh it up. Again? <laughs> what do you mean, again? Rochester, I don't ask you to... Come in. Hello, Jack. Hello, Rochester. Well, Fred! Fred out! Well, Fred, this is a surprise. Really? When did you get in town? Last night. Last night? Well, why, uh, why didn't you call me at my hotel? You mean you're staying at one that has phones? <laughs> well, no, but there's a candy store in the lobby that takes messages. Oh, I see. Gosh, it's good to see you, Fred. Tell me, what are you doing here in San Francisco? Well, Jack, I'm here on business. Business? Yes. You see, Portland needs a, min a mink stole... And I've heard there's a midget here who wants to sell one. Oh, you were nearly as bad as Mary there. For a I, uh, I had some of the fur in my mouth. <laughs> Say, boss, as long as Mr. Allen's in town, why don't you put him on your stage show? Well, thank you, Rochester, but I couldn't very well go out on a stage now. I haven't got any material. 
Well, don't you have any of your old vaudeville routines left? Well, if I did, I'd be on television. <laughs> It'd be great if you could join me on my stage show, Fred. Well, I'd uh, really love to, Jack, but I have to rush back to Hollywood. I've been offered the lead in a new picture. A new picture? Uh-huh. No dimension. It's a new thing that's coming out. <laughs> when it comes out, you don't dimension the whole thing. <laughs> but, uh, so far, that's better than what we've got written here. <laughs> but, uh, in this picture, Jack, yes. I play the part of a test pilot in Los Angeles. I see. The picture is called Breaking the Smog Barrier. <laughs> it's a shame you can't stay over, Fred, so we could appear together. It'd be like old times. Hey, Mr. Barry, did you and Mr. Allen once do an act together in Vaudeville? We sure did, Rochester. We had a lot of fun in those days. Oh, gosh. Remember, Jack, how we'd always celebrate with a big dinner at Lindy's every time we got a job? Yeah, we'd always get the best. Shrimp cocktail, turtle soup. Chef salad, filet mignon, stuffed potatoes, strawberry shortcake. Then I'd top it all off with a big glass of Ovaltine. Ovaltine? Well, he wanted to be asleep when the check came. <laughs> Those were the good old days. I'll never forget the time we rehearsed and polished our act for weeks. And we went to see Mickey Rockford, the biggest booking agent in New York. Come on, Fred. I think Mr. Rockford's office is down the hall. Hey, it's crowded in here, Jack. Yeah, I guess we'll have to talk to the secretary. Miss, uh, we'd like to see Mr. Rockford. Do you have an appointment? Appointment? We're uh, Benny and Allen. Benny and Allen? Yes. Don't you recognize us? Why? Is there a reward? <laughs> You don't, uh, you don't understand, girlie. We do a vaudeville act. Really? Which one throws the fish? <laughs> Say, that is clever. <laughs> Miss, you ought to be in show business yourself. Me in show business? Yes. I know a magician who saws a woman in half. You'd look better in two pieces. <laughs> Take it easy, Fred. Look, look, miss, we don't, we don't want to argue. We'd just like to see our agent, Mr. Rockford. Well, first I'll need some information. Now, uh, what's the name of your act again? Alan and Benny. <laughs> I thought you said it was Benny and Alan. Well, at 2 o'clock, our billing changes. <laughs> well, what kind of an act do you do? Violin, clarinet, and snappy patter. Uh-huh. And where have you played? Oh, all over. Well, where? Well, just, just tell her the important dates, Jack. Yeah, go ahead. Well, we did a week in Sow Belly, Wyoming. <laughs> A week in Loose Tooth, Arizona. 
three days in stagnant water, New Mexico. <laughs> and we also played the Palace here in New York. Sow belly, loose tooth, stagnant water in the Palace. Well, at least you worked your way up. No, we played the Palace first. <laughs> Rockford's busy right now, so just have a seat and I'll call you. All right. Oh, um, by the way, Mr. Allen, I don't mean to be personal, but are you an American citizen? <laughs> yes, I got these slant eyes from pulling off a tight derby. <laughs> Come on, Fred, let's sit down. Okay. Yes? Yes. Oh, very well, Mr. Rockford. Oh, boys, Mr. Rockford will see you now. Good, good. Come on, Fred, let's go in. Okay. Well, come on in, fellas. Come on in. Close the door. Sit down. Thank you. Mr. Rockford, I'm Jack Benny. This is Fred Allen. That's right, Mr. Rockford. Remember, you booked our act in the palace seven years ago. Oh, yes. What business are you in now? <laughs> Well, we're still in show business. Yes, and we thought you could book us. Please, fellas. Our new act is sensational. At least give us a chance, Mr. Rockford. Yes, all we need is one good break, you know. I gave you a break when I put you in Lowe's Flatbush. <laughs> Some break. They opened with Fink's Mules, then Major Doty's Dogs came out, then Manny's Monkeys, then Powers Dancing Elephants. So what? Well, by the time we came out, we looked like the last two passengers on Noah's Ark. <laughs> well, look, boys, I'm very busy. And Please, uh... Mr. Rockford, just listen to our opening number. It'll only take a second. All right, but before you... Oh, excuse me. Hey, come in. Mr. Rockford, here's the 10% commission I owe you for booking my act last week. Oh, thank you. Oh, wait a minute. The cute boy. Sonny, what's your name? Eddie Cantor. <laughs> Eddie Cantor? Potatoes are cheaper. Tomatoes are cheaper. Now's the time to fall in love. Mr. Rockford, how about listening to our, our new act? Oh, all right, if you insist. Uh, ready with your clarinet, Fred? Ready. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> One, two. Boyfriend. Oh, Mr. Allen. What is it, Mr. Benny? Have you heard that they're making women's bathing suits out of spun glass? Women's bathing suits out of glass? Well, that's worth looking into. <laughs> I'll take it, Mr. Allen, if you will. Mr. Benny, yes, I... Mr. Allen. Uh, oh, pardon me. I love music. 
so do I. Music once saved my uncle's life. Well, how did music save your uncle's life? They played the Star Spangled Banner just as he was sitting in the electric chair. <laughs> Take it, Mr. Allen. Yes, Mr. Allen. I want you to meet my new girl. Her name is Well Enough. Why do you call your girl Well Enough? Because I want the boys to leave Well Enough alone. <laughs> How about the finale, Mr. In unison? All right. <laughs> Mr. Rockford, what do you think of it? <laughs> Wait till he gets his head out of the drawer. <laughs> Maybe he's looking for a contract. Fellas. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, 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 Mr. Rockford. To tell you the truth, fellas, I'm confused. The, the whole act leaves me cold. It, it's neither fish nor fowl. Well, that's funny. The last agent we went to thought it was both. <laughs> Mr. Rockford, you mean you can't book us anywhere? Well, actually, I don't have a thing open for a double. Uh, have either of you considered doing a single? What? And break up the act? Why, we've been together for years. You can't split Benny and Alan. It's ridiculous. We're more than just a team. We're partners, friends, buddies. Why, we'd rather starve than let anything come between us. Well, that's a shame because I've got an opening for a single in Scranton for $15 a week. I'll take it. <laughs> well, if that's the way you feel, I'll, I'll take it for $14 a week, Mr. Rockford. Fred, you steal a job away from your partner, your buddy, your friend? Some friend. What did you ever do for me? Why, you puff-eyed ingrate. For years, you, we've lived off my violin, my brains, my talent, my joke. And my money. <laughs> and you, listen, you miser. As for your violin playing, I have heard cleaner notes from a toothless Russian sipping borscht. <laughs> you are just lucky you've had me and my clarinet. Clarinet? The only way you could make a living with that clarinet is if you put a nail on the end of it and went out in the park. <laughs> Mr. Rockford, rather than let you hire this no-talented wage cutter, I'll take the job for $10 a week. Oh, yeah? Well, I'll take it for eight. I'll take it for five. Well, I'll take it for three. Well, I'll take it for nothing. So will I. Well, at that price, I can afford both of you. <laughs> yes, did you hear that? We're working. Fred! Yes!
Ladies and gentlemen, our forests are among our most vital resources. Last year, through carelessness, forest fires destroyed millions of acres of valuable timber. This shameful waste weakens America. Protect our forests. Don't toss away lighted matches or cigarettes. Make sure every campfire is completely out. Remember, only you can prevent forest fires. Thank you. Jack will be back in just a moment. But first, nothing. No, nothing beats better taste. And remember... I suppose there's no way of telling just how many different reasons there are for smoking. But this is certain. All those reasons add up to enjoyment. And for real smoking enjoyment, nothing. No, nothing beats better taste. And Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. That's partly because Lucky's are made better. Made round and firm and fully packed to draw freely and smoke evenly. Yes, made better to taste better. And there's another important reason for Lucky's better taste. It's fine tobacco. Long strands of fine, light, and mild tobacco with a wonderful taste and an aroma that's even better. For LSMFT, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. So friends, switch to the cigarette that gives you more real smoking enjoyment because it tastes better. Be happy. Go lucky. Next time, every time, ask for a carton of Lucky Strike. Be happy, go lucky, get better taste today. Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes another program, and we'll be with you next week at the same time. And Fred, it was nice reminiscing. Oh, say, Jack, we forgot to tell him about the time we played in Burning Stump, Arkansas. <laughs> remember that insulting audience? Oh, yes. I remember while we were doing our act, the audience threw pennies on the stage, and you complained to the manager. And when they stopped, you complained to the manager. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Fred, let's go out and get a cup of coffee. Okay, Good night, Jack. folks. Benny program is written by Sam Perrin, Milt Josephsberg, George Balzer, John Tackerberry, and produced and transcribed by Hilliard Marks. Be sure to hear The American Way with Horace Height for Lucky Strike every Thursday over this same station. Consult your newspaper for the time. Jack Benny program is brought to you by Lucky Strike, product of the American Tobacco Company, America's leading manufacturer of cigarettes. Stay tuned now for the Amos and Andy Show, which follows immediately over most of these same stations. This is the CBS Radio Network. RCA Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music, and first in television, presents Transcribe, the Bill Harris, Alice Faye Show. Your enjoyment here is the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, written by Ray Singer and Nick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Janine Roos, Ann Whitfield, Walter Scharf and his music, and yours truly, Bill Foreman.
Most people enjoy traveling in a foreign land. They find it exciting. But you don't know how exciting it can be until you have a traveling companion like Phil Harris. Then it can be... But more about that later. First, a word from RCA Victor. New TV stations are opening up from coast to coast. Over 150 are in operation today. So wherever you live, you may soon have television. And when you consider buying a TV set, keep this in mind. Year after year, the big advances in television have come from RCA Victor. And in 1953, RCA Victor again leads the industry by bringing you the new magic monitor. Every one of RCA Victor's great new television sets for 53 has this exclusive circuit system that automatically brings in and automatically holds the finest TV pictures possible. The magic monitor automatically screens out interference from electrical appliances, automobiles, and passing planes. In weak signal areas, it steps up power automatically. And it automatically locks together the best sound with the clearest picture. So enjoy better television for 1953. See the new RCA Victor television sets at your dealers now. See the handsome 17-inch Wayne, for example. It's priced at a low $199.95. Think of it. RCA Victor quality television with the automatic magic monitor for the price of ordinary television. And remember this. When you buy one of the new RCA Victor television receivers, you can enjoy America's finest television installation through an RCA Victor factory service contract. This exclusive coast-to-coast -coast factory service is just one more big reason why every year more people buy RCA Victor than any other television. And now the stars of the RCA Victor program, Alice Faye and Bill Harris. Last week, Elliot found out that Phil and Alice had never been to Mexico. Upon hearing this, he insisted on taking them on a sightseeing trip to Tijuana. They left early this morning, and as we look in, we find them window shopping along the main street in Tijuana. Well, Alice, how do you like Tijuana? Isn't that exciting? Oh, it certainly is. And I love those street singers that have been following us around. It's all so colorful, especially the way the girls are dressed. They're adorable. Oh, Phil, look at that girl over there. I'm looking, I'm looking. <laughs> I love her harachas, don't you? Yeah, I like her shoes, too. <laughs> Julius, where'd he go? He's over there buying some Mexican clothes. Yeah. Hey, look at that thing he bought, that, uh, that... That what? That thing he's got on his head. That thing that comes to a point. What do you call it? His head. <laughs> oh, yeah, so it is. Hey, Alice, why do we have to bring that little creep along? Well, he's never been to Mexico before, and I thought it would be educational for him. Besides, he's a lot of fun to have along on a trip. Oh, yes. He's a gem of a traveling companion. <laughs> All right, fellas, stop picking on Julius. We're here to have a good time. Let's enjoy Mexico. Well, they're back again. 
Pancho Waring and his glee club. They've been following us all morning. What's your own fault, Curly? You give them five bucks when they started. You're not going to lose them as long as we're here. Well, I think it's a good band. Well, it should be. That's Red Nichols and his five pesos. <laughs> I wish they'd play something else. I do, too. They're driving me nuts with that. I think I'll ask that leader if they can play something else. Hey, Clyde! She senor, you speak on me. <laughs> oh, you speak English? Well, si, senor. So good I'm speaking that from the real thing you can tell it, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> We have a Mexican Phil Harris here. <laughs> Senor, you mentioned Phil Harris. You know him? See, si, I know him. Oh, he's a good singer, no? You hit it right on the head. <laughs> well, I like his voice. I like he too. I hear him on the radio and, oh, senor, he has what you Americanos call a lousy voice. <laughs> lousy? What's well, better than that? It's crummy. <laughs> hey, uh, where'd you learn how to speak English? Well, I listen to the Phil Harris show on the radio. He speaks good, no? All right, Desi. <laughs> My name, she is not Desi, senor. Perhaps you have heard of me. I am the leader of all the musicians in Mexico. Oh, really? What's your name? Pedro Patrillo. <laughs> How do you like that? The old man's got a Mexican road company going. Well, if you're a musician, senor, you must like music. Yeah, I do. Hit it, amigos. Mañana Rancho Grande, allá donde vendía. No, not again, fellas. Not again. Wait a minute. Yeah, break it up, will you? Hold it a minute. I'm hold it. Hold it, he says. What's the matter, senor? You don't shovel this song? It's real Jose. <laughs> That's Mexican bebop for Don't You Dig This Song, It's Real George. <laughs> Look, Pedro, don't you know any popular American songs? Oh, she's in here. How would you like to hear How Much Is That Chihuahua in the Window? <laughs> uh, no. No? Look, how about the number one song in America? The song that's on everybody's lips. That's what I like about the song. Oh, she's a good song. We sing him for you. Hit it, amigos. Come with me to Alabama to see my dear old man. <laughs> she's bribing me some tacos. It's better than a hot Oh, won't you come to the city? That's known as old Do what did it? So small but so pretty. But not so nice as Mexico City. <laughs> All right, wait a minute. Break. Will you stop it already, Pedro? Break it out. Stop it. What are you guys trying to do to the Confederate National Anthem? Mexican club? You know, old Bill Jackson was a gambling cub who joined the Acapulco Club. <laughs> oh, this kid's been clicking these castanets too much. 
Hey, if you if you'll lend me your musicians, Pedro, I'll lay one on you. Heed it, amigos. Peanuts, popcorn, cracker, jack and jelly apple, won't you buy from me? Peanuts, popcorn, cracker, jack and jelly apple, won't you buy, you buy, you buy, you buy, won't you buy from me? Peanuts, popcorn, cracker, jack and jelly apple, won't you buy from me? Peanuts, popcorn, cracker, jack and jelly apple, won't you buy, you buy, you buy, you buy, won't you buy from me? Won't you buy, pretty lady? Won't you try something new? Won't you buy, pretty lady? They're all imported from the tropics, just especially for you. There's a little fella. Always in the park Selling nuts and candy Happy as a liar Chirpy as a cricket As he strolls along And everybody loves him And his funny song Peanuts, popcorn, cracker, jack and jelly apple Won't you buy from me? Peanuts, popcorn, cracker, jack and jelly apple Won't you buy, you buy, you buy, you buy Won't you buy from me? Won't you try, pretty lady? Won't you buy something new? Won't you buy, my pretty lady? They're all imported from the tropics Just especially for you Peanuts, the popcorn, the cracker, jack, the jelly apple, won't you buy from me? Peanuts, the popcorn, the cracker, jack, the jelly apple, won't you buy, you buy, you buy, you buy, won't you buy from me? Won't you buy, pretty lady? Won't you try something new? Won't you buy, pretty lady? They're all imported from the tropics, just especially for you. So won't you buy, 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 you buy. Ah, magnifico, senor. You sing just like Phil Harris. Well, look, Pedro, I've got a surprise for you. I happen to be Phil Harris. You is him? Amigos, you hear that? That is Phil Harris, the famous bomb with a lousy voice. <laughs> All right, Pedro. Oh, in your honor, we sing another song. Uh, what do you like to hear? I don't care what it is, as long as it's something about the South, something like, hey, way down upon the Swanee River. Swanee River? Uh, how does that go, senor? It goes like this. Way down upon the Swanee River Far, Oh, si, sí, si, sí, senor, si sí. I know this one good Hit it, amigos Way down upon the Swanee The Swanee, Swanee River <laughs> <laughs> A so, so handy oh, All right, stop Wait a minute, wait a minute Get your Rio Grande out of my Swanee <laughs> Come on, it's getting late And I'd like to do a little shopping Before we go home Yeah, I'm getting hungry I'd like to get some Mexican food And 
Maybe meet a couple of those beautiful Mexican girls, huh? Hey, Pedro. You know of any place we can go? Oh, si, senor. I take you to the best place in Tijuana. Ah, uh, how you like to sink your teeth into a luscious enchilada? It's okay with me if she don't bite back. <laughs> Elliot. Elliot, an enchilada is a Mexican dish. That ain't gonna clear it up for me. <laughs> Elliot, what they're trying to tell you is that an enchilada is food. It's a, a Mexican matzo ball. <laughs> oh, no, no, senor. That is not an enchilada. An enchilada is a crazy blintz. <laughs> hey, Pedro, can you take us to a good place to eat? Oh, si, senor. And while you eat, we serenade you. Oh, that's just what we need. Phil, if I hear that song once more, I won't be able to eat. Let's ask somebody else. All right, honey, all right. I'll ask another native what... Hey, here comes a guy all dressed up in Mexican clothes. I'll ask him. <clears throat> Pot him was, senor. Gracious, buenas noches, and you haste la vista where we can eat her? <laughs> you know eat her? Gobble, gobble. Gobble, gobble. What's this turkey trying to say? <laughs> The catfish. <laughs> hey, Julius, what are you doing in Mexican clothes? I just bought them. It's a bullfighting suit. Matador pants, sash, bolero jacket, serape, and a pom-pom hat. How do I look? Oh, I wish I was a bull. <laughs> <laughs> you look ridiculous. It's too tight. It's supposed to be tight, and it looks good on me because I have the belt for it. Well, I know, kid, but... <laughs> You have the what for it? Built! Built! Like a Marilyn Monroe! <laughs> You're built like Marilyn Monroe? That's funny. I never noticed it before. <laughs> Did you, Elliot? I can't say that I have. Walk for me, kid. Wiggle a little. <laughs> no, he ain't got it. <laughs> oh, don't let him tease you, Julius. I think you have a very nice built. Well, thanks. I, I have a nice what? Built. Built. Like in Victor Mature. All right, Alice. <laughs> hey, kid, you can't walk around like that in them tight-fitting pants. They look awful with them bow legs of yours. Yeah, it looks like he's standing on a pair of ice tongs. <laughs> I don't get that picture. <laughs> what does it look like to you? Like the entrance to a wine barrel. <laughs> You're so descriptive. All right, knock it off, you guys. My legs ain't bowed. Then why are they bent out like that? Last night, I accidentally took a bath and they got a little warm. <laughs> Fellas, are you going to stand here and tell bad jokes Or are we going to get something to eat? Well, honey, it's four o'clock We ain't going to have time to eat if you want to do some shopping Well, then let's go shopping, Okay, huh? okay Come on, everybody Let's walk over to that shop across the street Si, sí, senor Heat it, amigos Hoy en el rancho grande Hoy en donde Please, please, fellas, please Please, fellas Something wrong, senorita? 
You know, like him, El Rancho Grande? Yes, yes. I like El Rancho Grande, but I'd like to hear something else for a change. Oh, I tell you what, Senorita. You sing something, and we accompany you. We sing anything you want. Well, all right. I'll, I'll sing side by side. Good. Amigos, she's going to sing side by side, and we'll play El Rancho Grande. Hit it, amigos. <laughs> Got a barrel of money Maybe we're ragged and funny But we'll travel along Singing a song Side by side Don't know what's coming tomorrow Maybe it's trouble and sorrow But we'll travel the road Sharing our load Side by side Through all kinds of weather what if the sky should fall Just as long as we're together It doesn't matter at all When they've all had their quarrels and parted We'll be the same as we started Just traveling along Singing a song and we'll be side by side Side by side, side by side We'll keep on walking together Life will be a ball Everyone, everyone join together, one for all. Oh, we ain't got a barrel of money. Maybe we're ragged and funny, but we'll travel along, singing a song side by side. Oh, we don't know what's coming tomorrow. Maybe it's trouble and sorrow. sky should fall just as long as we're together Ooh, it doesn't matter at all when they've all had their quarrels and parted we'll be the same as we started just traveling along singing a song Anything else you want to buy, senora? We've got a lot of nice things in our shop. No, I don't think so. I bought everything I want. An alligator bag, some silver buckles, and some haraches for the children. Phil, did you buy anything? Nothing for myself, but I bought you some perfume, dear. Oh, how sweet. What kind of perfume? Twelve bottles of breath of tequila. <laughs> Perfume? It's a liquor. It is? <laughs> oh, I've made a horrible mistake. Well, I'm sure the lady will exchange it for you. Ask her. Oh, honey, why trouble her? Ask her. Oh, okay. Senorita, will you exchange this tequila for some perfume? Oh, si, senor. You won't, huh? See <laughs> is no in Spanish, dear. Only to you. Elliot, do you buy anything? Oh, yeah, I got a lot of stuff to take back home. I'm bringing mother and dad some souvenirs from Mexico. Oh, how thoughtful. What'd you get your mother? A high-alive bat. 
Yes, sir. I know I'm nuts, but I'm going to ask it. What did you get for your father? Something daddy will love. You see, he eats a lot of Mexican food, and this is something no Mexican would sit down to the dinner table without. What is it? A rubber tongue cover. <laughs> it's great for eating, eating that, that hot Mexican food. Yeah. <laughs> it's fireproof and it's adjustable to fit any size tongue. Small child. A down, Gomez. Down. A rubber tongue cover for Dad. Look, come on, will you? <laughs> Let's load all of our packages in the car and get started home. Hey, Julius, you ready to leave? Yeah, I'm ready. Hey, what do you got in all them packages? Mexican trinkets that I bought for me girlfriend, Fido. <laughs> Fido? That's not a girl's name. Elliot, have you ever seen his girl? <laughs> no. Well, I haven't. Believe me, the name fits. <laughs> Like a Russian wolfhound. Don't be a wise guy. Fido's just a nickname. Her real name is Frisky. What did you buy for your girlfriend? Well, she's crazy about bullfighting, so I got her a matador sword, a red cape, and a gift certificate for five bullfighting lessons. What's in that big package? A bull. <laughs> Isn't that a little too personal? <laughs> After all, you're not married to this girl yet. It you're ain't a get... real bull, you dope. It's a bronze statue. You guys will have to help me carry it out to the car. It's awful heavy. All right. Elliot and I will help you carry it out. Alice, uh -huh. you carry the rest of the packages out to the car and then open the trunk compartment for us. All right. All right, come on, fellas. Let's lift this thing up. Elliot, mm -hmm. you and I will take this end. Julius, you take the other end. Yeah. Ready? Yep. Hit it. Careful, fellas, don't drop it. Oh, fellas, hurry up. I can't hold this trunk compartment door open We're forever. hurrying, we're hurrying. As soon as we get it in now, honey, just drop the door. Come on, fellas, let's get this bull in fast. Hurry Julius, up. you back up. Come on, Elliot. All right, rush it in. All right, here we go. Well, we got it in, Curly. Let me out of here, you jikes! Let me out of here! What do you know? We shoved Julius in by mistake. Let me out of here! What do you think, Curly? <laughs> the car'd be less crowded this way. <laughs> You've got to let Julius out. Okay, we'll let him wait out. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Not so fast. Before we do, there's something I've always wanted to know. Hey, Julius! What? Does that light really go out in there when you close the door? Are you crazy or something? Me little lungs is bursting for air and you're asking stupid questions. Open the door! Open the door! High strung lad, isn't he? <laughs> I think he's neurotic. Nonsense and let Julius out of there. All this. right, Come all on. right, I'll let him out. But I don't, can't possibly see why. Uh-oh. What? Handle's jammed. Ain't gonna open. It won't open. Oh, no, this is the end. I can see my whole life flashing before me. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. Well, go already. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't like it. 
ticket, so I came back. <laughs> Probably wouldn't take him. Look, kid, as soon as we get across the border, we're going to stop at a garage and then have him pry the door open. Keep quiet. All right, I don't know if there's enough air in here to last that long. Can't you pipe some into me? Air he wants already. How are we going to pipe air into him? I got an idea, Curly. This little crack at the edge of the door there, I'll just put my mouth to it and blow some air in. Here comes some air, kid. Breathe deep. He's gonna be all right. Come on. Hey, Curly, we're coming to the United States border. Yeah, I know, I know. We're gonna have to pull over there and declare everything. Yeah, I hope it doesn't take too long. Nah, don't worry. I know how to handle these custom officers. Okay, bud, open the gate. Bill Harris is coming through. Just a moment, please. Guess he didn't hear the name. <laughs> Do you folks have anything to declare? <laughs> nah, nah, nothing much, officer. Just a few little souvenirs, nothing to speak of. Well, I'm sorry, but I'll have to search your car routine checkup. A lot of aliens have been smuggled into the country lately. <laughs> <laughs> what have you got in the trunk? Nothing. <laughs> we ain't got a thing in there. What was that? The thing. <laughs> it wants to get out. Holy smoke. Hey, Elliot, I forgot about Julius. Open that trunk. Look, mister, I, I, I'm sorry, but I can't open it. The, the handle's jammed. I've got a crowbar that'll unjam it. I'll see what's in here. <laughs> What's this thing? It's a seal we picked up in Ensenada. I'll get the horns out and he'll play a tune for you. Now, don't be funny, Mac. You fellas are under arrest for trying to smuggle this Mexican boy into the States. Oh, no, no, he ain't no Mexican. He's just dressed like one. He bought that thing. Hey, Julius, tell the officers you're not a Mexican. Si, senor. Officer, I'm not a Mexican. My name, she is Julius Juan Pedro Gonzalez Gomez. Julius, cut that out. <laughs> Take him to the horse's car, lock him up, and throw away the key. Julius, you can't do this to us. I'm doing it. Adios, senor. See you in 20 years. Viva Mexico. Hit it, amigos. Gee, Curly, this science fiction stuff is the greatest. I just read one where this guy invents a machine that he can tune in all different kinds of climate just like a television set. 
You mean like you just turn on Channel 4 for April in Paris or Springtime in the Rockies on Channel 3? Yeah, imagine that. Tuning in cool seashore weather on a hot summer day. Wouldn't that be something? Oh, it'd be great, Elliot, but that's not science fiction. That's exactly what you can do with the new RCA room air conditioner. Yeah? Sure. Listen, Elliot, the new RCA room air conditioner has the wonderful climate tuner so that you can dial in just the kind of indoor weather you want on hot summer days. In fact, with a RCA room air conditioner, you feel better all year round. Gee, those RCA scientists must be geniuses. Painstaking geniuses, too. They follow through all the way by making available RCA factory service for RCA room air conditioners for the finest in service and installation. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's hop in a rocket ship and go see those RCA room air conditioners right now. Included in this program transcribed were June Foray, Mel Blanc, and Peter Leeds. The part of Julius was played by Walter Tetley. Next, here, Theater Guild on the air over NBC. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show from the 1942-1943 season. This episode uh, is one of those that reminds us of why I like to run the episodes the same time of year that they originally ran, because in the news, the big horse race coming up, of course, is the Kentucky Derby. And here we get a chance, um, from 70 years ago, to hear uh, Jack and Rochester give a, give a shout-out to the Kentucky Derby and some of the things about it, and it'll continue into next week. Uh, I think we're 10 days away or something like that from the Kentucky Derby for us. And um, this is uh, this is fun because Rochester supposedly has a horse in the Kentucky Derby. Now, I know Eddie Anderson sometimes did have horses in the Kentucky Derby, at least once. Um, I'm not sure if this is one of those years he does or if they're just playing that up for the show. Um, generally... The last time we had an episode like this, he did have a horse in the Kentucky Derby that year. So it wouldn't surprise me if he did. Uh, I'm going to try and look that up and see if I can find that. Uh, anyway, enjoy Jack and uh, Rochester and their talk of the Kentucky Derby. And uh, enjoy the Kentucky Derby when it comes around again this year. Um, anyway, thanks for tuning in. The Grape Nuts Flakes program, starring Jack Benny, with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Dennis Day, Rochester, and yours truly, Don Wilson.
of you know what a breakfast chiseler is? Well, he's a fellow who cuts corners on his morning meal. And so cheats himself out of the right kind of a start for a good day's work. Now, whether it's because you're in a hurry or because you want to eat lightly, the right answer to a quick, light, but all-around nourishing breakfast dish is grape nut flakes. They're always ready for breakfast before you are. And moldy, rich, toasty brown grape nuts flakes make such an appetizing dish, you'll enjoy them right down to the last crisp flake. Then grape nuts flakes have a stay-with-you quality, and they're a whole-grain cereal full of all-around whole-grain nourishment. So for a grand-to-eat breakfast treat, order delicious grape nuts flakes at home or at your favorite restaurant. played by the orchestra. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we bring you a man who sold more carnations in the Easter parade this morning than any other vendor in the Los Angeles area, Jack Benny. Thank you, thank you. Hello again, this is Jack Benny, the florist, talking. And Don, you're a little wrong there. I wasn't selling carnations in the Easter parade. I was giving them away. Giving them away? Yes, every fellow that bought a gardenia for his girl got a free carnation for himself. <laughs> you see, Don, I planted 10,000 carnations in my backyard to aid the, vo the war effort. Well, for heaven's sakes, Jack, how can carnations aid the war effort? My fortune teller told me I could make rubber out of them. I boiled them and boiled them, but they still don't bounce. <laughs> However, that's the first time Princess Korsakoff has ever failed me. Princess Korsakoff? Why, I never heard of that fortune teller. Is she expensive? What'd you say, Don? I say, uh, I never heard of Princess Korsakoff as a fortune teller. Is she expensive? Uh, well, Don, a private reading is a dollar. But if you order the 75-cent lunch and don't have dessert, it's free. <laughs> it's a choice of deep-dish apple pie or your future. Oh, hello, Mary. Hello, Firestone. All right, so I thought I could make rubber. Anyway, Mary, as I was telling Don, that's the first time Princess Korsakoff has failed me. Oh, that dame's full of baloney. She is, eh? <laughs> Remember the time she said you were going to be the President of the United States? Never mind. She went out and had cards printed. Jack Benny, you voted for me. Quit beefing. <laughs> Don't laugh. Don't laugh, Mary. I may still be president. Well, you ought to tell Roosevelt. He might want to look around. <laughs> Keep it up, Mary. Keep that up and you won't be Secretary of Labor. Oh, you promised that to every girl in Hollywood. Well, you're off the list, young lady. And you can also tell that father of yours that the FBI can get along without him. That's a dirty trick. He sold bluing house to house to get a G-man badge and everything. Too bad. Hello, Phil. Oh, how are you, Phil? Hey, that's a beautiful carnation you have in your buttonhole. Where'd you get it? I bought a gardenia for Alice on the boulevard this morning, and the sweetest little old lady with a shawl over her head gave me this carnation for nothing. <laughs> Well, I, uh, 
I have a surprise for you, Phil. That little old lady was me. That makeup kind of fooled you, didn't it? Incrumable. <laughs> well, it fooled, it fooled Herbert Marshall, too. When I gave him his change, he pressed it back in my hand and said, bless you. <laughs> Gosh, it made tears come to my eyes. Huh? Well, you didn't fool Jack Oakey. You lifted your skirt and rolled your pants down. He's just a smart aleck, that's all. Say, Mr. Benny, what do you think of my new Easter? Oh, hello. Hello, Dennis. Hello. Well, kid, did you have a nice Easter? Yeah, my mother gave me a basket with two chocolate rabbits in it. Two chocolate rabbits? Pretty soon well. I'll have hundreds of them, won't I? <laughs> No use waiting. I got to have a talk with that kid. <laughs> Say, Dennis, that's a, that's a nice suit you're wearing. Is that your new Easter outfit? Yeah, do you like it? Oh, it's swell. But what's that big lump in the back? My tailor. He's still, still working, working on it. On it. <laughs> that's been on every program in the last three months. Huh? Well, Dennis, if, you're, if you tell your tailor to get out, you can do your song now. Okay. Hold it a minute, kid. Say, Jackson, what's this I hear about Rochester's horse running in the Kentucky Derby next Saturday? Is that a fact? Yes, Phil, but I'd rather not talk about it. Sing, Dennis. Well, imagine Rochester having a horse in the Kentucky Derby. Well, it's really that old nag that used to pull my buggy around. I sold it to Rochester for $4. $4? Yes. You sold Rochester a horse for four bucks that's good enough to run in the Kentucky Derby? I thought he was going to have a barbecue. I never dreamed he'd put a jockey on it. <laughs> Anyway, that same horse under the name of Burnt Cork is running for over $50,000 in the Derby Saturday. But I made a mistake. I don't mind. You don't mind? Then why did you try to drown yourself in your pool yesterday? <laughs> I wasn't trying to drown myself. Do you always go in swimming with a manhole cover around your neck? <laughs> That was my dog tag from the last war. And you... <laughs> oh, well, I sold a thoroughbred for $4. It's my loss, so let's forget it. That's all. But, Jack, uh, what about your fortune teller, Princess Korsakoff? Didn't she see racehorse in your tea leaves? No, just rubber and president. <laughs> she better snap out of it or I'll start eating somewhere else. Go ahead and sing, Dennis. Hold it, kid. That's probably Rochester. He's been hinting around all week about going to the Kentucky Derby. Hello? Hello, Mr. Benny. This is Rochester. Rochester, if you're calling about getting time off to go to the Kentucky Derby, the answer is no. Oh, I forgot all about the Derby. That was just a silly whim of mine. Good. But I was wondering, boss, my sister Bedelia is getting married, and if it's all right with you, I'd like to attend the ceremony. Getting married, eh? Where does your sister live? Louisville. <laughs> I thought so. Now, Rochester, don't pull that stuff. Your sister Bedelia lives in Chicago. That's my sister Bedelia. This one's Bedelia. <laughs> oh, Bedelia and Bedelia. Isn't that unusual, two sisters having names that are so much alike? Oh, that's nothing. I got a brother named Rochester. <laughs> Rochester, Rochester, Bedelia, Bedelia. You're not going to the Derby. That's Derby, boy. <laughs> I don't care what it is. Now, look, Rochester, just because our horse is running in the derby, that doesn't mean... Our that... horse? Yes. 
I talked to my lawyer, and he says that legally, half of that horse belongs to me. Well, unless he backs over the finish line, my half is going to win. <laughs> Rochester, regardless of the outcome, you're not going to Louisville. Goodbye. Goodbye. Well, I'll try something else, Rochester. Get your brother out of my house. Sing, Dennis. I gotta call my lawyer. I wonder if I really do own half of that horse. I don't know. Life is not a highway strewn with flowers. Still, it holds a goodly share of sung by Dennis Day. April Showers. That's really a beautiful song. It's pretty old, too, isn't it, Mr. Benny? Yes, it is. Gosh, I remember when Al Jolson first introduced that song back in 1922. My father took me to the theater. Just a minute, Junior. In 1922, you were just as old as Al Jolson. What? My father took me to the theater. Don't give me that kid stuff. What do you mean, kid stuff? My father happened to be in New York, I was broke, and he took me to the theater. <laughs> That's all I said. Say. And another thing, young lady, don't ever say that I'm as old as Al Jolson. Go on, he even looks younger than you do. Well, naturally, he takes it easy. He works on his knees. I have to stand up to make it. <laughs> <a look. laughs> 
get jokes from him. Anyway, let's, <laughs> let's forget about me for a while. Now, where were we? Oh, Jack, don't forget the play I wrote. Oh, yes. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I have a special treat for all of you. Mr. Don Wilson, that eminent American playwright, has written another of his famous one-act dramas entitled Love's Young Dream. Take it, Mr. Wilson. The time is spring. The scene is a honeymoon cottage covered with ivy. It's the new home of Mr. and Mrs. Oliver J. Snodgrass, who have just eloped and been married. As we pick them up, the happy couple are just arriving at their little love nest for the first time. Curtain. Music. Well, here we are, darling. 33 Maple Street, our own little home. Oh, it's beautiful, sweetheart. We'll be so happy here. Yeah. Gee, just think. 20 minutes ago, your name was Myrtle Moonfinkel. <laughs> and now, and now... I'm a snot in the grass. A snot grass. See, our own little home. Well, let's go inside, honey. You go first, Myrtle. You go first, Oliver. <laughs> no. no, I don't want to. You go first. No, you go first. Three hours later. No, honey, you go first. <laughs> oh, let's go in together. All right. <laughs> Myrtle, stop! <laughs> Gee, Myrtle, isn't it a romantic eloping? Nobody knows we're married except us. <laughs> Gosh, we're all alone Oh, Oliver, I love you so much And I love you too, darling What's that? Phil's guitar player just fell off the stool <laughs> Get up, Frankie Now, where were we? Oh, yes And I love you too, darling I'm sorry about that, Jackson Shut up, I'm acting <laughs> And I love you too, darling. Thanks for the back to you. <laughs> but what will your mother say when she finds out we're married? I don't care what she says. You're mine, Moon Myrtle Finkel, and nothing. <laughs> You're mine, Myrtle Moon Finkel. <laughs> And nothing can part it. Come, darling, I'll show you all the rooms in the house. Oh, Oliver. <laughs> Myrtle, stop acting like a darn fool. But, Oliver, I'm worried about your mother. Please call her and tell her we're married. All right, darling. If it'll make you any happier, I will. Long distance, please. I want Mrs. Rosie Snodgrass in San Luis Obispo. Hurry, darling. Oh, Myrtle, you've made me the happiest man in the world. And we'll never be <laughs> separated, will we? Never. Hello? Hello, Ma, this is Oliver. I got a surprise for you, Ma. What's that? No, no, I can't have breakfast with you tomorrow morning. I'm in Los Angeles. Well, gee, I'd have to leave here right away. Look, Ma, I have a surprise for you. I... You're having what? Tell her about us, Oliver. I will, I will. You're having what for breakfast? You are? Oh, boy, I'll be right home. <laughs> Goodbye, Myrtle. I'll see you tomorrow morning. But, Oliver, we were just married. I can't help it. Mother's having grape nuts plates for breakfast. <laughs> Goodbye. Oliver, Oliver. <laughs> 
Well, you see, ladies, the moral of this story is never start your honeymoon without grape nuts flakes. What happened to Myrtle Moonfinkel may happen to you or you or you. So always insist on toasty brown sweet as a nut grape nuts flakes, America's fastest growing flake cereal. I thank you. John, that was one of the finest plays you've ever written, and I thought that my performance as the husband was... Now, who can that be? Hello? Hello, Mr. Benny, this is Rochester. Oh, you again. What do you want? I just got a telegram from my uncle in Rockdale. Uh-huh. He's very ill, and he wants me to come over there right away and give him a transfusion. <laughs> oh, your uncle's sick, eh? That's too bad. Yeah. By the way, where is Rockdale? About eight miles out of Louisville. <laughs> I see. Well, Rochester, you seem to have a very heavy concentration of relatives in that area. And besides, what makes you think you can fool me? I got the horse from you, didn't I? <laughs> I don't care what you got. Now, look, Rochester, you're not going to the Kentucky Derby. Goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, say, boss. Now what? How about... Oh, this was too fantastic. I'll work on it and call you back. <laughs> Don't bother. Imagine me selling that nice, that racehorse for four bucks. Oh, well. Play, Phil. <laughs> Either Easter Parade or White Christmas, played by Phil Harris and his orchestra. Which song was it, Phil? What's the difference? They were both written by Irving Berlin. That's not the point. I'd like to know. I have to announce the name of the song. Well, if you've got to do it, why don't you do it in double talk? You know, start it off something like this. See, that was Thomas Freeman's thing with the Thomas Freeman played with a solid four. <laughs> no fiddle. 
Now, Phil, look, Phil, no, stop the kidding. This is important. Was that number White Christmas or Easter Parade? Well, the majority rules. Why don't you take a vote? That's an idea. I'll take a vote. Now, will all you boys who are playing White Christmas please raise your hands? How many hands? How many hands, Mary? Eight. Eight. Now, will all you boys who are playing Easter Parade please raise your hand? How many hands, Mary? Eleven. Eleven. That was Easter Parade, <laughs> played by Phil Harris and his orchestra, thus ending tonight's great mystery. <laughs> and now, <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, hmm, I'm kidding, and imagine me selling that racehorse for four dollars. <laughs> oh, well, he can't win. That's one consolation. Now, now, ladies What do you mean he can't win? I got a hunch that burnt cork is going to come through. What do you say? We all chip in five bucks a piece and make a bet. Say, that's a good idea. Here's my five, Phil. Here's my five. Here's mine, Mr. Harris. Hmm. And now, ladies and gentlemen... <laughs> How about you, Reckless? <laughs> Aren't you going to take a chance for five bucks? I'd love to, Mary, but I left my money in my other shoes. <laughs> anyway, I don't believe in gambling when there are minors present. But, Mr. Benny, I'm over 21. I mean coal miners. <laughs> a lot of Phil's boys come from Scranton, Pennsylvania. <laughs> anyway, I'm not betting. Well, I'll tell you what, Jackson. I'm going to put five dollars on that horse's nose just for you. Well... And if that horse comes in, the minute I get paid off, I'm coming over to your house with the money right in my hand. Well... And if you reach for it, I'm going to break your arm. <laughs> I knew there was a catch to that. How about you, Dennis? Would you like to bet $5 for your Uncle Jack? You're always my uncle when money comes up. <laughs> well, I just thought it'd be nice if... Oh, forget it, kid. Forget it. That looks all right on paper, but will it work? <laughs> Look, fella, I'm not throwing away any five bucks, and that's final. But, Jack... Let him alone, Don. Let him alone. If Jackson wants to save his dough, that's all right with me. After all, he's leaving it all to my kid. No, you got that wrong, Phil. Your baby is a girl. My money goes to the first member of my cast who has a boy and names it after me. Does that go for me, too, Mr. Benny? Of course, Dennis. Gosh, I gotta find a girl, fall in love with her, marry her, have a baby, and it's gotta be a boy. I worry about things like that. <laughs> Well, stop worrying. And now, ladies and gentlemen, say, I wonder if Rochester's horse has got a chance. Well, it's not a sure thing, but who knows about horse races? Yeah, who knows? Give me that phone, Mary. Here you are. Thanks. Who are you calling, Jack? Princess Korsakoff. <laughs> I never make a move without her. Hello? Hello, Boyle Heights, Gypsy Tea Room, Boyle speaking. <laughs> I, I like, I like to speak to Princess Korsakoff, please. The princess? Yeah. She's out in the kitchen washing dishes. <laughs> Tell her to wipe her hands and come to the phone. This is important. Okay, Firestone. <laughs> hello, hello, princess. Oh, she isn't there yet. Dum dee dum dee dum dee dum 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 dee dee. 
I wouldn't mind making a bet. Hello, Princess Korsakoff. Who's calling, please? <laughs> Don't tell me. I'll see it in the crystal. And never mind, Princess. This is Benny. Who? Benny. Jack Benny. Oh, the president. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Now, Princess, I'm calling you about the Kentucky Derby. On you, it wouldn't look good. <laughs> No, no, it's a horse race, the Kentucky Derby. Now, Princess, it's very important that I know which horse is going to win. Wait, I'll look in my crystal bowl. Okay, look. I see a big crowd of people. Yes? They're frantic, they're excited, they're cheering. Yes, yes. Alabama's kicking off. That's the Rose Bowl game. <laughs> that was three years ago. <laughs> look again, Princess. I see people watching a horse race. That's it, that's it, that's the derby. Now tell me, Princess, what's the name of the winning horse? It's Burnt Cook, and he's coming in backwards. Then my half is winning. <laughs> Thank you, Princess. I'll be in for lunch tomorrow. Any advice? Yeah, don't order the meatloaf. Thank you. <laughs> Goodbye. Well, fellas, it's all set. Burn Cork is going to win the Derby. Then give me five bucks, Jackson, and you're in with it. Nothing doing. I'm going to bet $50, and I'm sending Rochester to Louisville. You get better odds at the track. I'll call him right now. Yes, sir. But, Mr. Benny, I thought you didn't gamble. Shut up. Besides, <laughs> I know who's going to win. Is that gambling? Anyway, Dennis. Hello? Benny's rubber plantation. Keep him bouncing. <laughs> <laughs> Rochester, this is Mr. Benny. I got good news for you. You can go to Louisville. I can? Yes, and I want you to take $50 out of my money and bet it on burnt cork to win. $50? By the way, where are you keeping your money this week? As if you didn't know. No, I've looked all over. Now listen, Rochester, listen carefully. You know the big candelabra we've got on the dining room table? Uh-huh. Well, melt the third candle from the left, and you'll find a key. Uh-huh. Then take the key, go into the kitchen, and unlock the cupboard. Uh-huh. There's a big jar there on the second shelf that says peanut butter. Dig down in the peanut butter, take out $50, rinse it off, and bet it on your horse. And remember, bet it to win, not to place, not the show. Bet 50 bucks on first horse to win. being Pennywise and Point Foolish when you shop these days. But you can be Pennywise and Point Wise, too, if you ask your grocer for Grape Nuts Flakes in the big 12-ounce economy-sized package. Now, here's why. One, you don't part with a single precious ration stamp when you buy. Two, crisp, toasty brown Grape Nuts Flakes are a real breakfast treat. Three, they're a whole-grain cereal, one type of food in the basic seven, recommended in Uncle Sam's nutrition program. So you get grand nourishment for your money. Or, if you always buy grape nuts flakes in the large economy size instead of the smaller size, you save up to 14 cents on every dollar spent. Not only that, but the large size package brings you up to 16 servings of grape nuts flakes for only about a penny a serving. So penny or point wise, it's wiser to ask for the big package of grape nuts flakes. 
was the last number of the 30th program of the new Grape Nuts Flake series, and we'll be with you again next Sunday night at the same time. And just think, Mary, by this time next Sunday, I'll know whether Rochester's horse has won or not. Yeah, you'll either be swimming with a manhole cover around your neck or rolling on the dance floor at Ciro's. Yeah, the suspense is awful. Good night, folks. <laughs> the Jack Bruner program is written by Bill Marlowe and Ed Ballard. <laughs>